I was on field work in the Arctic for a month, which I'm just going to be insufferable about for the next little while. And I was like, this is going to be great. We finished Twilight. When I come back, we're going to be talking about a new book. But like in the Arctic during the summer, all anyone talks about is the midnight sun. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) And it was just the worst. I was like, wow, a lot of Twilight fans on this boat. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Midlight Crisis, a real podcast hosted by three grown-up biologists revisiting books from our teens, and it's totally cool. Listen, this started as a book podcast, but it's kind of just evolved into us debating the ecological impact of glittery vampires. So I don't know, make of it what you will, but let's introduce ourselves. I am Sophie and I have a randomly generated fantasy name this week. So my randomly generated fantasy name is a good one. I'm going to like this trend a lot. My name is Septuin Monster Breather. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> what the f- <laughs> Just the worst gingivitis. <laughs> I breed oh. those monsters. As my father was named and his father before him. <laughs> uh-huh. From a long line of monster breathers. oh my gosh we all breed the monsters okay anyway who are you guys (laughs) i don't even know how to follow up after that (laughs) (laughs) your dramatic fantasy name come on (laughs) well my real person name is sam and my fantasy name of today is pika stone codefall (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) Pika Stone Coatfall. Coatfall? Wow. Coatfall, like C-O-D-E, like I code. Oh. Pika Stone Coatfall. Wow. You're in some like dystopian like sci-fi thing for sure, huh? My immediate thought, and this is probably because of Pecker Rollins, but I went Six of Crows because of course we're going to talk about the Grishaverse again. (laughs) We can't escape. (laughs) I know, but literally I was like, all I could think of was like Pecker Rollins and Kaz Brecker and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm like a heist bank robber. That's that's what I'm going with. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Huge fan. My name is Hannah and my randomly generated fantasy name is Fear Cloven Sword. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's fear. Legit. It's pretty hardcore. I Dang. sound like someone's first D&D character. Yeah. You do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Sophie and I are like somebody's like fifth D&D character. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I would name someone Monster Breather. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, as you may have assumed, we are no longer reading Twilight or Midnight Sun. If the past, like, four episodes where we wrapped up didn't give you the hint. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wind howled through the night, carrying a scent that would change the world. And also, bringing a new book for us to read, because that's the first line, and I'm on board. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) That is a very good first line. 
It is right? a good first line. It's like, oh, sh- tell me more about the scent. I mean, it's really hard to measure up to the book that shall not be named, <laughs> which did start with high school, more like purgatory. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think anything will ever beat that. No. Yeah. But this one is like a good runner up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if the uh, the line didn't immediately give it away. <laughs> the book we're reading now is Aragon. Yay! Yay! By Christopher Paolini. I mean, I was a big fan oh, of man. Aragon as a kid. I loved this book, this whole series. I will read anything that has a dragon on the cover or has dragons in it or has dragon in the title. I, mm-hmm. You know how there's, like, horse girls and, like, wolf girls in elementary school? Mm-hmm. I was a dragon girl. <laughs> that <is> dragon <laughs> Anything with a dragon in it, I want that. Hell yeah. Hells, yeah. So I was 12 when Aragon came out. So I guess I probably read it around then. So you guys, right, like, 2003? Yeah. It was actually initially published in 2001, fun fact. The family oh. self-published it, and oh. then it was picked up by a, a like proper publisher and re-released in 2003, which is when most of us saw it. Dang. I didn't read it until it was out in paperback, but then I read the rest of the series in hardcover. So it was yeah. probably like 2004-ish when I first got my hands on it. Yeah, me too, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading it in grade six, I think give or take a year maybe technically i think like a middle grade book but the lines between middle grade and ya are so tenuous that i'm okay with it being here yeah i think when it came out there was still no real distinction between like children's books and older children's books yeah (laughs) no i think it was all kind of one section and then there was like a teen section (laughs) yeah yeah so i know you were a huge fan hannah I never read anything. I don't think I even read the second book. Oh, man. Yeah. So I only read the first book and I really liked it. But I think there was like a gap in between when they came out, maybe. Uh, And I think I I just fell off in between. I think Eldest was published in 2005. So it would have only been a couple years. Okay. Uh, What about you, Sam? Things published in 2005. (laughs) I know nothing. I have never <laughs> read this book. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I my brother read it oh. and I remember him reading it and me thinking, oh, it's a boy's book, because I was <laughs> dumb like that. Mm. Uh-huh. Because the patriarchy had me thinking that, oh, there's only girls and boys books. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But no, I did not read it. Though I do love dragons. Give me all the dragons now. Yay. But as a teenager, young preteen, I liked Harry Potter and vampires. <laughs> so Fair enough. This is my first time reading it. Wow. Oh, I'm so yep. excited for you. I hope this book doesn't <laughs> suck. <laughs> Finally. Someone will know less about the book we're reading than I do. (laughs) (laughs) I literally know nothing. I am already so confused. (laughs) Sam? Mm Mm-hmm? Or for those in our audience who also haven't read this book before, what's it about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, I have to summarize what the book is about? I thought I was just summarizing the prologue. (laughs) 
you know, just tell take us what a wild about. swing at it. Yep. Yeah. Oh no, no. Pre- no preparation. Just <laughs> oh, take frick. a guess. What have you absorbed through cultural osmosis? Yeah. Okay. I know there's like there's like a chosen one aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And that the boy, there's a main character and he is a boy, and that mm-hmm. he has a dragon bestie. Yeah. That's literally all I know. And that's like the only reason I know that is because of the movie trailers, which I heard are nothing like the book. But I never Whoa. even watched the movie. So like Don't. I know nothing. I just know there was a blonde kid that was hired as the actor for this, and there's a dragon, and they're biffles. Like literally all I know. That's about right. Honestly, okay. that's all I remember. So like Okay, cool. No. <laughs> so despite what you might think from the fact that Sam knows nothing. This was actually <laughs> this was actually a super popular book back in the early 2000s. Most people at least were aware of it, even if they didn't read it. But it started off, like I said, as like a self-published book that gained very little traction. It came about in kind of a weird way. So it was written when Christopher Pellini was 15 after he had finished high school because he was homeschooled. The family self-published it and self-funded a book tour when he was 16 and he would like go around to bookstores in like full medieval dress and try to sell people on his book what that's so wild yeah and this went on for months and they like sold a few copies but not a ton until 2003 it was picked up by the stepson of carl hyacin i don't know if i'm pronouncing his last name correctly i'm sure i'm not but he's like a really prolific like middle school writer. He wrote Hoot was one of like the ones that people might recognize. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So his stepson picked it up in a bookstore, read it and loved it, passed it to him. He read it and liked it. So then he passed it on to his publisher. And then it got picked up by Knopf in 2003 and like redesigned, re-edited and republished. So that's the version that most of us have read. And the year it came out, oh. it was the third best-selling hardcover of the year in 2003, after Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix and The Slippery Slope, which was the in- series of unfortunate events number yeah. 10. So those were both, like, huge, well-established series at the time. And this was, like, right underneath them when it wow. came out. Yeah. The year it came out in paperback, it was the second best-selling paperback in that category for that year, after The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie tie-in. So, like, another huge series that it was, like, just edging up on. So, like, people loved this book. I love this book. Like, kids love this book. But it was really heavily criticized by people who, like, actually knew what they were talking about. (laughs) Yeah. The main criticisms are that it's, like, very derivative, very tropey, and, like, clearly leans very heavily into major franchises like The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars are two of the Um. ones that I kept seeing mentioned. And then there was the movie, which um, has a 16% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and was the 10th worst of the year it was made. And we do not speak of it. There is no war in Bossing Say and there is no Aragon movie. (laughs) Oh my God. It was Mm -hmm. that bad. Oh, it was real bad. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to think of like a really bad adaptation for something that I can't. Like the Golden Compass movie. I mm. would argue that that was better than the Aragon one, personally. But I also was less attached to the Golden Compass. I would say it's yeah. on par with, like, The Last Airbender. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Oof. yeah. I never saw that either. 
that one is one we really don't talk about. <laughs> no, it's to me they're in the same category. Oh, is it Yay. like I never read these either? But is it like the Percy Jackson movie? Because I heard that yeah. was also a horrible yeah. like adaptation. Yeah. But I've actually seen that movie, but haven't read the book. Hey, why do they keep making bad movies of extremely good? Well, okay, I don't want to call aragon an extremely good book yet i haven't read it in a while <laughs> but percy, yeah but percy jackson come percy on. jackson was so good yeah well that's actually interesting so i don't know if either of you guys saw it but after we decided that this is the book that we were going to do the hashtag aragon remake was trending on twitter this was back yeah. in june dang yeah i remember that i was like that is weird timing it is weird timing we had just decided quite recently that this is the book we were gonna do when that started mm-hmm. and it was actually paulini himself apparently that like started that hashtag because i think disney owns the rights to aragon now or at least owns the film rights oh yeah this is a push to get an aragon disney plus show Oh, because they're doing that with Percy Jackson. So like, it would be the time to do it, especially with all the success of all the Disney Plus shows. Yeah. And like, I mean, they have Percy Jackson, but like Netflix has their big popular teen series TV show adaptation going right now, right? With the uh, Shadow and Bone show, because we have to talk about it in every episode. Every like episode. several times, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and I obviously, it's been a while since I read this book. Also, I would like to see it done justice in film. I think that could be fun. Yeah, it's like such a unique story to to how the book got made. I mean, that like yeah, okay, mm, I was like no, like the book itself, maybe not, but it's like. I don't know. I know Hannah and I have both wanted to be writers for an extremely long time. Mm -hmm. When I was, you know, 13, reading Christopher Paolini's book and being like, wow, he started writing this when he was 15. That was really impactful on me. Like, I was like, I'm going to start writing. Yeah. Because I could start writing at 14 or 15. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, it was really inspiring. Yeah. I mean, now I'm, you know, turning 30 in two weeks and being like, oh, God, I've done nothing <laughs> compared to that. this 15-year-old. <laughs> but, yeah. <you> know. <laughs> Sophie, you've been to the Arctic. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but I've been to the Arctic. <laughs> you've done some pretty cool things. Like, yes. you've done a lot. Uh-huh. But, but did I you write a book written... when you were 15? <laughs> I haven't well, written Aragon too. <laughs> but did you have it's a very rich family to also fund your entire book? No. My parents didn't run a publishing house. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I also looked up some fun facts about this book. Mostly just oh. one that Hannah didn't touch on. I was going to say, did okay. I ruin your game? <laughs> no, it's okay. Like we did with our end of Twilight wrap up. So instead of doing it at the end, I'm doing it here. Hannah mentioned that it was on the bestseller list. Do you guys know how many books? Want to take a guess how many books the uh, Inheritance Cycle, which is the whole Aragon series, sold worldwide? Oh. Let me set um. some reminders. Yeah, yes, I was like, so, can you remind me how much Twilight yeah, sold again? <laughs> I'll remind you and I'll give you some clues for the range because it's nowhere near Twilight, which was at 160 million. <laughs> And oh the 
highest grossing series of all time is still Harry Potter at 500 million. So the inheritance cycle, the series around it on the list, it sold slightly less than the Divergent and the Shadowhunter series. Oh my God, no. (laughs) Okay. But it sold more than Outlander, Artemis Fowl, Redwall, and Percy Jackson. It's outsold Percy Jackson, really? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Well, that's not going to last. And Twilight was 16 million? 160 million. Okay. So it's nowhere. Yeah, okay. (laughs) That's your guess? Uh, Yep. Mm -hmm. It's the vibe I'm getting. (laughs) 50 million. Okay. So the inheritance cycle total sold 33 million oh closest without going over is hannah yep yep <laughs> i mean it's like halfway between the two of us yeah halfway between the, two of us. <laughs> the average the average on average we were correct yeah if you were wondering about the other two divergent sold 35 shadow hunter sold 36 million but is that is that like every shadow hunter's book because there yeah, is literally like said- 11 out of 11 books sold 36 million <laughs> yeah okay because i was like that series is like out of control now <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so many and then artemis fowl redwall and percy jackson all sold around 20 to 25 million so like not wow. close really no <laughs> that's crazy Which i'm surprised that it beat out redwall and percy jackson yeah. i never read artemis it was good too. no the other huh. funny thing that I read was Hannah mentioned that on Rotten Tomatoes, the film is uh-huh. the, so it's the 10th worst reviewed film of 2006. Oh my God. <laughs> but for 2006, it was also the 31st highest grossing film in the oh. US. <laughs> oh my God. had such high hopes for it. So a lot of people watched it and then were like, it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. those are the fun facts about Aragon. To summarize our Aragon meta, it was wildly popular among its intended demographic, not super popular outside that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a terrible movie. Yeah. And as Sam said, it's a book about a kid and his dragon. Yep. I'm yeah! <laughs> you don't really need more of a summary than that. Honestly. <laughs> So we're moving, like, Twilight was more, would you call that urban fantasy? Or, like, low fantasy, almost? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, paranormal. Yeah, that's the word. Right? Like, supernatural romance, or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, like, officially labeled paranormal romance, usually? Maybe? Paranormal romance slash YA. I feel weird calling it urban fantasy because it's like technically rural fantasy. That's true. It's like some fantasy elements in a modern world as opposed to Aragon, which is like high fantasy. Yes. Clearly inspired by Lord of the Rings kind of deal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So hence we've moved away from the, because it's also like a children's book more so than Twilight. Mm-hmm. Now it would probably be found in the nine to twelve section. Yeah. Yes, is what I'm assuming. Yeah. So you know we've moved away from our YA titles to our 
high fantasy names. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to keep with the theme. So we've read the prologue and I was reading the prologue and I don't know how to pronounce so many words. <laughs> like, like so many. And I was just like, this is supposed to be a children's book. <laughs> I'm a 30 year old adult almost. And I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> these words. So he did make both glossaries and pronunciation guides. Good. We're all reading the ebook. So it's a little harder to just flip back and forth. Mm-hmm. But he does have those. I read a little bit about how he was like developing the languages for his book because he apparently put a ton of effort into that. Oh, really? Okay. I think the magic language is mostly based around Old Norse, but he, yeah, he took like inspirations from a bunch of different languages and put yeah, a lot of effort I mean, into it. Listen, I liked this book and I think I'm going to like parts of it, but it's basically one long like, tell me you really liked Lord of the Rings without yes. telling me oh, you liked tell- Lord of the Rings. <laughs> love it oh you went Tolkien on a bunch of languages to develop them for your book yeah get Mm -hmm. in there yeah you just Lord of the Rings some like Star Wars plot elements yeah put a dragon and I mean that's fine it's a good plot so reuse it (laughs) yeah like it I wouldn't say that any of those things are bad but I'm sure we'll see them come out as we read further yeah. yeah, like I liked A New Hope and I also liked The Force Awakens. So, because it was the same plot. <laughs> it's the same Is movie, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. You should watch Star d- Wars Rebels. It's like the same thing again, almost. <laughs> oh, great. There's um, a But this isn't little a Star boy. Wars podcast. <laughs> I want to talk about Ezra Bridger. <laughs> oh. So anyway... <laughs> As Sam mentioned, we read the prologue, so maybe we can get into that now. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, how about you seem the most qualified to tell us about the prologue? <laughs> how about yeah, what you tell happened? us about it? Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah. uh, my, my excellent summary is there is something called the shade, and I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but it's a person that has red hair, and the immediate thing I thought of was quoth from Name of the Wind, no, because I'm trash. <laughs> yeah, I don't like quoth. Anyways, and then some creatures called the Urgles, who seem mm-hmm. to uh-huh. be like the orcs of this world, or maybe. <laughs> I mean, they have horns on their heads and they're described as human like. So I'm going with the orcs. They're the orcs because you guys have both just said he is very heavily influenced by Tolkien. So. Hey. Anyways, then some elves show up because, again, um, Tolkien. And one of them is compared to a rapier, which was really weird. But I was like, sure. There's a lot of weird metaphors throughout this prologue. But anyways, these elves show up and then the Urgles try to kill the chick, the girl elf. And that, yeah, that's that's what happened, I think. How'd I do? Pretty good. You missed the important part of the prologue, which is fair because you don't know it's the important part. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So the uh, more distinct one of the elves, the lady, has something in a bag in her lap that she is trying to protect. And then she oh. uses magic to send it away when it becomes clear that she is going to be killed or captured. Yes, mm. I did forget that. A shiny blue stone. Yes. What could it be? sends away. What could it be? Hmm. Is it a ring? Is it like the ring? ring. 
It's probably the ring. Probably the ring. Man, now that you guys have said that this has, like, been criticized (laughs) for being so, like, Tolkien, that I'm just going to be, like, Lord of the Rings? Yeah? (laughs) Yeah, I had forgotten, like, I I tried not to read anything about the book before I started reading the prologue, and I had forgotten that, like, I think I knew that he was heavily influenced by Tolkien, Mm -hmm. but, like, while I was reading it, it was like, (laughs) man, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. This is Tolkien as hell, which is uh-huh. fine. I mean, most high fantasy, you open it and you're like, this is Tolkien as hell. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, perhaps like Twilight, this book might not stand up much to scrutiny, but I'm still really excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys got this impression. My first impression, even before the Tolkien thing, was mm-hmm. I was like, this feels like it's written by a very young person. It, yeah. I, yeah, there was a lot of, like, unnecessary descriptors I found and, like, very odd metaphors, like the rapier. And there's something I made note of. What is, let me, let me just find it. I got it. <laughs> what is fetid meat? Am I just dumb? <laughs> fetid is, like, rotting, basically. Fetid is, yeah, rotting. Okay, I am just dumb then. No. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't be criticizing him because... Again, me, this almost 30-year-old, doesn't know. I mean, it's not that surprising that this homeschooled 15-year-old has an expansive fantasy vocabulary. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It definitely does read like someone who read a bunch of fantasy books and then Mm -hmm. also wrote one. Which can't criticize too much because I'm sure if I ever get around to writing a fantasy book, that's exactly how mine will sound too. Yep. (laughs) immediately the first thing because of what we're coming out of mm-hmm. the way the shade is described is he looked human except for his crimson hair and maroon eyes and i was like so a vampire <laughs> wow i love how you went vampire and i went quote from name of the wind why did, why did i do that why didn't i think vampire what is okay? wrong with me that's not He's like you those- He's got I those know. red eyes. <laughs> Does got those red eyes. You know, I think I just went like high fantasy name of the wind, red hair. It has to be quote, which is so dumb. Okay, anyways, continue. Yes, Honestly, vampires. Full disclaimer, I read that and I thought of Kel from the Shades of Magic. So. Uh, yours was one we all actually liked. That's a better <laughs> fantasy true. though. And I love Kel. He's just adorably oh, okay. dumb and lovable. Oh my god. He's such a grumpy a little goofus. <laughs> so great. Anyway, maroon eyes. <laughs> yes, maroon eyes. We've talked about them extensively mm-hmm. <laughs> in the vampires <laughs> and how they don't make any sense. But uh-huh. in this thing where they don't change color mm-hmm. could possibly mm-hmm. make sense. Yeah, it's just yeah the way his iris is structured as we know. Yeah, know. yeah so I looked up Red eyes, you guys. Of course I did. <laughs> of course you did. It's like the second sentence in the book and I was already researching things. Man, I missed <laughs> having you on land, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any math. Don't worry. Oh, uh, never but, mind. So, yeah. So, Hannah and Sam will know this. And, you mm-hmm. know, some other people out there know this also. Red eyes are very common, mostly in, like, albinism. Mm-hmm. And so albino creatures or people lack melanin entirely. You can always tell if something is true albino or a similar 
but less intense version of oh, what's it called leucistic leucistic yeah mm-hmm. because true albinism means they also have red eyes and the red eyes is because the iris lacks melanin entirely and so the light just goes right to the capillaries in the Ooh. eyeball <laughs> oh. and that's why they look red creepy yeah that could be that could be why he's maroon eyes no yeah no melanin in those eyeballs was he described as being particularly pale i don't remember i don't don't remember i don't know the only description i really remember is um because this is the kind of thing i notice as an adult is the (laughs) description of how beautiful the elven woman was was a little bit like overwrought yeah i was like oh this is a 15 year old boy Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah (laughs) i mean they were all described as pretty beautiful that's true. All of the elves were. But the her beauty, one... comma, which would have entranced any mortal man, comma, held no charm for him, the shade. <laughs> so. Ah, dramatic. So dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. I liked that the first elf was only described by his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess he was also likened to a rapier, but. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was just. Point he's like. I couldn't I couldn't let that one go. <laughs> he was an elf with pointed ears and elegantly slanted eyebrows. Sure. That's how you know he's fancy. I just picture Arwen. Yeah. Uh she has oh, yeah. great eyebrows. Also I like mean... elegantly slanted just makes me think they look very angry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> angry elf like uh Hugo Weaving, uh Elrond. He he yeah. always looked so angry, especially in Fellowship of the Ring. He had those like pointed eyebrows. He was just always pissed off. Yeah, that's true. So that's now who I'm imagining. <laughs> Would you say that Elrond has a build like a rapier? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, how Maybe. are you even built like a rapier? Like rapiers are small and delicate and fierce. Well, pointy. So like wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> sharp? Like, like, I would more describe, like, Arya from Game of Thrones as, like, a rapier, because she's, like, tiny, small, uh, agile, and, like, could still kill you. Maybe that's what this elf is. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I guess I have a hard time seeing it, because elves are always described as, like... Very tall. Yeah, very yeah. tall, like, long, beautiful creatures that it's, like, you see them more as, like... I guess like I guess a rapier is an elegant weapon, so maybe that's where it kind of comes from. It's a from. finesse weapon, isn't it? It is a finesse weapon. I know that because um, I get sneak attack as a rogue in <laughs> yeah, D&D with when it. You have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess I take that back. I guess yeah, if you're considering an elf as like an elegant sort of fighter, then a rapier yeah. would describe that. It was just such a weird thing, like to it's describe a, a person like a rapier. I was like, what? I mean, he also is never described as tall, so now I'm just imagining a very small Tiny. elf. <laughs> a little Tiny short elf. One someone one, someone slept with a dwarf and refused to <laughs> yeah. say anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the child of Wait, and are there dwarfs in the Aragon too, and they're also the mortal enemies of elves? Probably. Maybe. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, actually? Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, remember no. the mortal enemies, but I don't think they like each other very much. Oh, they no. They live under a mountain. 
Oh no. I mean, that's okay, I might end up criticizing the shit out of this then. I think it's going to be deserved. I mean, okay, to be fair, when did the first Lord of the Rings movie come out? Because I don't think the books were like as wildly overwhelmingly popular. Right? Like not everyone would be able to be like this is Tolkien pre-movies. The first one was 2001. Wow, it was 2001? Well, yeah. the books came out in like 18, whatever. And I think the books, though, from the fantasy genre as a whole, like, Tolkien was the inspiration from almost everything, right? All modern fantasy has drawn on what Tolkien did in Lord of the Rings. It's yeah. just that Aragon was probably one of the first, so it probably mm-hmm. took some pretty harsh criticism from it. So I'm curious now to read this, though, and see if, how blatant it really is and try to look at it from the perspective of, okay, he was just drawing on something that hadn't been so overdone yet at that point, whereas now, mm-hmm. uh, like, everything draws from Lord of the Rings, so. So in that way, yeah. you can almost look at it in the same way we looked at Twilight, right? Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. the first vampire book, but it was certainly one of the first that got such big attention and this would have been one of the first tolkien inspired like kids books yeah and i think that's something that should also be like considered in this right in the sense that lord of the rings is very much not a children's book like as someone who tried to read the fellowship of the ring at 14 (laughs) like it's very hard to grasp until like 18 or 19 i don't know like older right yeah And so Aragon is almost that way for younger readers to get into the genre and then make their way to Lord of the Rings. But like Lord of the Rings is something from a literary perspective that is taught as the root of fantasy. But like a 10 year old kid isn't going to go read Fellowship of the Ring. Granted, I probably would have tried, but like it, I remember I read it in grade nine and it made no sense to me. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't know why I read all of them. I was just like, the, the Hobbit is the only one that actually resonated with me when I originally read them. And I just like, don't, I'll just watch the movies. <laughs> yeah. What I was trying to get at, because the book was published in 2003. Mm-hmm. Although the first draft was published in 2001. Mm-hmm. Well, he was 20 in 2003. So he started writing it in 19, like 15 yeah. was 1998. So again, like the Lord of the Rings movies weren't out. They probably weren't Mm -hmm. as much in the public zeitgeist. So, you know, like he was working off of the books, which were not as overwhelmingly popular. Man, if he was 15 writing this too and inspired by Tolkien, like I said, 14 year old me didn't friggin' grasp those books. (laughs) I'm sure we're going to have a lot of uh, goofs about this book written by a 15 year old, but -hmm. like we definitely need to begin by acknowledging how impressive it is that he was so well read and like able to put together such like a sprawling story with like what I remember as cohesive world building. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So like it's definitely an impressive accomplishment. We'll see how much it stands up to like an adult perspective but that doesn't take away the from the fact that it was something that a lot of people including me 
loved wholeheartedly as children and that it was like a remarkable accomplishment for somebody that young yeah Yeah. incredible that being said i remember there's like a romance subplot at some point that i hated when i was a kid (laughs) so i'm not looking forward to that interesting (laughs) fantastic i don't remember which book it shows up in but how how old is the main character in aragon i think he's 14 or 15 yeah okay. yeah but like it he does age throughout the series yeah like harry potter kind of by the end he's like 18 yeah i think if i'm remembering only correctly. hannah would know yes i remember <laughs> something poor hannah she's in this on her own now <laughs> <laughs> i remember some of the first book okay maybe you know how you guys like to laugh at me when I'm talking about Sarah J. Mass books that I haven't finished yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I also looked up another thing related okay, to okay. this, this fellow's eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> a, few, <laughs> a few paragraphs later, it says, it was too dark for any human to see. But for him, the faint moonlight was like sunshine. Yes, he has night vision. Oh, wait, is this the shade? Yeah. Yeah, I thought we were still talking about Christopher Paolini. And I was like, sorry, Googled his eyes. (laughs) No, the shade in the book. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So as we have talked about, vampires to see have to have completely different eyeballs than humans. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So this fella, I mean, I don't know how far he can see, but yeah. <laughs> so for night vision, humans and like a lot of primates don't have night vision. That is very mm-hmm. good at all because we're all like daytime creatures. So there are two different ways kind of to like get better night vision. Well, three different ways. The first okay. is there are two different structures in your eye, rods and cones rods are for better vision in dim light and sensing movement and then cones are for colors so humans have like a way higher proportion of cones than a lot of other animals Mm -hmm. but we still have four times the number of rods to cones but for example cats which can see really well in the dark have Mm -hmm. 25 rods to cones so like way more yeah and their eyes can, their like pupils can open much further than humans can to yes. bring more light in. So that's one way. So either he has gigantic pupils, <laughs> like a kitty cat. Aww. <laughs> like a kitty cat. The other way is, as I've mentioned, a tapetum lucidum. Again, yeah. how do you say that? Which basically is like a reflective surface on the back of your eye that reflects light back into your retina. So that low light, you can see better because there's more light bouncing around in there. And that's what happens when you shine a light at like your cat in the dark and its eyes glow and it's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the second way. Maybe we'll find out if he has that too. That would be cool. And the third way is tarsiers, which are a kind of primate, (laughs) have eyeballs that are like 25% of their body. <laughs> I love tarsiers. Yeah. So similarly to owls, they have eyes that are just like so huge 
that it can bring more light in, mm-hmm. but they can't move their eyes in their socket <laughs> because they're so big. <laughs> so that's the third option. But they're so okay. cute. So I feel like it's probably not that one. And I think it's probably the third one. Case. No, I don't think it's that one. I want it to be the third one. <laughs> <laughs> no it's it would be like because i think this guy's supposed to be like kind of creepy right yeah yeah i assume <laughs> from this book i've read uh-huh uh-huh and like so all animals that have these giant eyeballs because they can't move their eyes in their socket they have way more motion of their head <laughs> on their neck so like mm-hmm. owls can turn their head like all the way around tarsiers can do that too <laughs> So uh-huh. <laughs> I'm imagining this man who looks mostly human, except then he can turn his head like all the way around. <laughs> yeah. So if I were Christopher Paolini, I would choose this one. Yeah. Is what I I'm like saying. it. That's my pitch. It's horrifying. <laughs> it is horrifying, Great. but I, at least it's not parasites though. Right guys. <laughs> yep. We don't need to talk about those. You know what else has parasites? Nope. Ice planet oh, barbarians. God. Oh god. <laughs> I'm I mean I'm into it. You know I'll talk about those parasites. <laughs> I need you both to read this book, but that's all I'll say on it because I just want to talk about f-ing parasites. And I hate parasites. Do you want to talk about them? <laughs> Cuz I will. Um, we'll 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 figure this out. Stay tuned everyone. <laughs> Stay tuned. Bonus content. Tuned. Mm-hmm. The Christmas episode. Coming soon to Holy <laughs> fans. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I refuse. Yeah, me too. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. So one of the main reasons that we chose Aragon is because we thought we ha- would have a lot of chances for biologizing. Who knew? <laughs> Just like right off the bat. I actually I had no it. idea. Even reading the prologue, I was like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but um, I clearly didn't pay enough attention because I did not go vampire. Also, like, spoilers, Sam. Yeah. There is a dragon in this book. What? <laughs> <laughs> I had sure no we'll idea. At some point. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm so excited to talk about this beautiful fantasy dragon with Two beautiful wings and four beautiful legs. I'm so mad. Oh, that was my next question. I was like, is it a wyvern or a dragon? <laughs> it's a dragon. I'm sure every animal in this world will have six limbs, and that's how the dragon makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yep. That's what's going to happen for sure. It'll be like, did you guys ever read that Goosebumps book? No. About the invisible kid? Oh, Yes. The one where, like, the whole book, you don't realize that he never describes what anyone looks like. And yeah. He's trying to become uninvisible. And when he does become uninvisible, he's like, I was a monster. I had only two arms and two legs and, like, <laughs> only two eyeballs. And then that's when you realize everyone else was monsters except for him. Whoa. Anyway, spoiler. I remember that one, yeah. It's going to be yeah. like that, where he never describes what the humans look like, because they all have two arms. I mean, four arms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aragon really means four-armed in Urgle. Yep. Urgle? That's yeah, you know one. the Urgles. You know the Urgles. Urgles. They have a language. 
Uh, it comes yeah. up in the later books. I think he learns how oh. to speak it. Anyway. Uh, oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. A couple other things you could pick out from the prologue is like, there's oh, yeah. magic. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. Magic as hell. Like, he burns an entire forest. Ha- I think it's a half league across. Yeah. How far is a league? How That's such a good question. Is a league? Jeez, it's five and a half kilometers. Holy shit. <laughs> Dang. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Or three miles. Oh, whoa. The league comes from the distance a cannon shot could be fired at menacing ships offshore. Oh, cool. Oh. Huh. Can't different cannons fire different? Uh, it's from the 18th century. Maybe all of the cannons were the same. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a nautical term. That's fun. That's fun. So he burns five and a half kilometers of forest using magic. Yeah, and then he just, like, leaves. <laughs> like, he leaves the fire burning. <laughs> That's how you know he's the bad guy. If That's the red eyes weren't to tip off. Right. <laughs> Uh, I feel like there might not be very much nuance in this book. I'm just getting that impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I want to know, as someone who knows more about swords than me, Sam. Uh-huh. Th- like, this guy, he's mad when the elf magics the stone away. And he's so mad that he flings his sword at a tree where it passes <laughs> halfway through the trunk. Isn't that, like, really bad for swords? <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> You'd also, like, the, to use the word fling, too, like, to get a sword with enough momentum to, like, go through a tree like that, you would have to, like, fuck it, not fling it. Like, you would have to, like, whoo! Further confirmation that he is vampire. This is a vampire. <laughs> oh, true, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Oh my god. I thought we weren't no, I thought we weren't reading a vampire book. We specifically picked not a vampire book. <laughs> well, it's not my fault that Christopher Pallady put vampires in. Oh, I've never no. read this book, so I didn't know. Oh no. I should have known. I should have known. <sighs> Upsetting. Upsetting. So is anyone else concerned about the fact that um the fact that there was magic is going to make our biologizing a lot harder because everything will be able to just be like, well, but magic. magic. Unless we could biologize the magic. We kind of ignored the brain magic in Twilight. So we did, I'm yeah. going to choose to ignore the magic in this one too. Yeah. Excellent. I'm pretty sure there's that. some like biological aspects to the magic or maybe not biological, but like effects on the biological body of using magic. So that'll be fun okay. to talk about when we get there. Yeah. And I'm there's pretty sure probably- Aragon has a training sequence where he's really upset about trying to float a rock um, because he's Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah. Gotta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm also sure there's probably only certain people can do magic. I th- probably. That's yeah, how it always is. Yeah. Just once. Give me one where everyone has magic. <laughs> but if everyone has magic, then nobody has magic. Yeah. It's it's not a good series, but the I do not recommend reading them because they do not age well. But the oh Piers Anthony books that I was obsessed with, the Xanth novels, 
the magic is every person can do magic, but you can only do one magic. And some people have good magic, like you can change things shapes. And then other people have magic that's like, you can make a polka dot. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, yeah, that's how they decide who's the special ones. That's a fun mm. premise, though. Yeah, it's a fun premise. Everyone has one magic. You get one. <laughs> Just one. Man, I wish I had a magic. Yeah, Not the too. polka dot one, though. No. I mean, it would be cool, I guess. <laughs> okay, but have either of you seen the new Suicide Squad movie? No. no. I don't want to spoil it. But polka dots can transfer into a pretty cool power, and I'll just leave Dang. it at that. Oh. Wow, I'm intrigued. Okay, I'll watch yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can talk a little bit about how we each feel about high fantasy, because uh, I think we talked about that a little bit with like the vampire genre when we started mm-hmm. Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. We did do that. We did yeah. do that. I always introduce topics and then forget that I go first (laughs) in the cycle of how we do things. I'm like, yeah, we could talk about this. And I'm like, I was not prepared. Okay. (laughs) I am a huge fan of fantasy, high fantasy all day, every day. More so when I was like younger, like I think age, the beginning ages of reading Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. honestly, it was probably like, end of my undergrad degree so about 10 years ago that I just like suddenly couldn't deal with high fantasy as much anymore and I started moving closer to like urban fantasy and like things like that but I mean Mm -hmm. still fantasy obviously but high fantasy I was obsessed with it if I read Mercedes Lackey (laughs) so much you guys (laughs) The Valdemar series, wow. It's as high fantasy as it could get. Everyone gets a magic horse. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Anyway. Magic horse. So you're a pro high fantasy. I'm like pro high fantasy, but it's... I think Mercedes Lackey was very like inclusive and diverse high fantasy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So That's I think. Unusual. <laughs> yeah. Trying to read, like, I think the last high fantasy book I read was Elantris by Brandon Sanderson yeah and I really liked it but I had such a hard time reading it because there was like one female character Mm -hmm. and I just didn't I don't do that anymore (laughs) yeah Brandon Sanderson gets better though at least he's an author who's learned because the Stormlight archives are like chef's kiss so good yeah I respect your opinion. I don't. I will never read those books. They're That's too fair. big. <laughs> They're <laughs> kind of a commitment. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about high fantasy. They're always big and They're require a lot big. of brain. They are yeah. always big. Yeah. How about you guys? How do you feel about high fantasy? I love it, but I've, the reason I'm pausing is because the more I've thought about it, I used to think I was like into fantasy as a teenager. That's a lie. I liked vampires <laughs> and romance. <laughs> I didn't like fantasy. And then it wasn't... And then I I fell off of it. I really only kept up with, like, the Shadowhunter Chronicles throughout university. Because, like, going through university, doing grad school, trying to read high fantasy was not... Yeah. It was not a thing that happened. 
And then I only found my love for it again with Sarah J. Mass, which most would argue isn't exactly high fantasy, but more fantasy romance, which I've also realized I like fantasy romance, not necessarily just <laughs> fantasy. Um, but that being said, I have a respect for like Brandon Sanderson does fantasy really well. His Mistborn trilogy and Stormlight Archives are top notch. And then Game of Thrones I tried to read and like, honestly, don't waste your time. The show is more than enough. And I'm trying to like think of other things. I've been in such a romance kick though, because I'm so stressed right now that like, I can't even think of the thought of reading high fantasy at the current moment is just really painful for me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm very pro fantasy. I love it. Um, But I, you got to be in the right mindset for it because it does take a lot more brain power than just reading a rom-com which is fun <laughs> for me there's like a yeah. lot of names and like maps and there's oh my of, god there's a lot of names there's a lot of maps there's a lot of creatures and places and different types of magic and then every other series has a different kind of magic and then you have to remember what it is in this world and it's just like i just i just want to not think <laughs> yeah yep yeah, high fantasy is always such, like, a commitment of brain resource mm-hmm. yeah. to whatever you're reading, which sometimes you just can't quite handle. I will say I've learned with the Stormlight Archives, which, as Sophie and we've all mentioned, are ginormous. Reading the first book, physical copy, like, getting your kind of grounding on the world building and everything was great and now listening to them on audio is so much easier than physically reading them because I already have like the basis of the world building the magic everything from like physically reading it that I sometimes have a hard time grasping through audio and so now that I understand the world so much because I read 1200 pages of it I I read the second one in audio and it only took me like a month and a half to finish it compared to like I think five months it took me to read The Way of Kings wow Yeah. yeah dang you saying that made me realize that like all the series that I I think of as high fantasy that I read all have like a billion books in them in the mm-hmm. same world. Uh-huh. And I'm like, because it was too much to find a new series with a new world that I would yeah. have to learn. So <laughs> exactly. I just read like all 30 books in the Edge Chronicles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's why, too, like, everyone's all on uh, Wheel of Time right now, which is also a huge fantasy series. I have zero interest in reading those books. Like, zero interest. There's too many. There's too many. I'll just watch the show. Yeah. uh, It's a lot. I, very similar to Sophie, was obsessed with high fantasy when I was younger in particular. Like, I think I've talked on this show before about one of my favorite kids kids books chapter books was del toro quest which is high fantasy for children and then Mm -hmm. like i got into aragon and like some of the cornelia funk books are pretty high fantasy like i read a lot of high fantasy throughout high school in particular and then like you were saying sam i barely read anything in Mm -hmm. university because like i just couldn't handle reading in my spare time when i was reading so much for school Mm-hmm. And then as an adult, I still love high fantasy. I haven't really gotten into a lot of the like major series like The Wheel of Time or like anything by Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. But like even this year, I've read Priory of the Orange Tree. 
Yeah. And one of my favorite books from this year has been Flamefall oh, and the yes. Aurelian Cycle, which it's is so pretty good. high fantasy. It's so good. It's so good. It's very good. And like, does Scott Lynch count as high fantasy? Like, I think yeah. of yes. him as high fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Gentleman Bastards sequence is like one of my favorite series of books. So if I had to pick a genre that I prefer, it would certainly be fantasy and would probably lean towards high fantasy. Mm-hmm. This is my sh- no. See, I started Hell, reading yeah. Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch like last month and it was the perfect example of my brain was not in the right place because I was like <laughs> I I got I think I'm 50 pages in and I was just like I I, I can't do this right now and so I'm, I'm going to come back to it yeah 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 like I remember reading that book and just being blown away by yeah. the prose yeah everything else too like I love not quite everything, but like almost everything about those books. Yeah. But I remember like reading the prose and thinking there is no point in like reading any other books. Like this is the best writing yeah. I'm ever going to see in my life. And yeah. it is that very yeah. like high fantasy style of writing. But he just like does it so good. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. <laughs> yes, it is books? also very. For, yeah, the third one isn't as good. Oh, okay. And also, it is very, like, I think this is something we've talked about before, that um, we're all a little bit sick of reading fantasy written by men. Yeah. And it is certainly a fantasy written by men. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's still good. It makes up for it. Unlike certain other very popular high fantasy books written by men that have been unfinished for a decade. (laughs) Do you guys ever look back at your Goodreads list and be like, when did I last read a book by a man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I well, have. Because we were, I think about it sometimes, but because of what you're talking about it, I'm like, when was the last? <laughs> oh, I've read quite a few. Do, do we guess what's going to happen next? Oh, yeah. Do you guys want to guess what happens next? Um, like, I think I know what's going to happen next. I think there's a yeah, dragon. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Where do you think like the dragon What do you from? think based on what just happened? I think the boy is going to find the blue thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. then the blue thing is going to send him on a quest to save the world because the blue thing is going to destroy the world. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's such a good guess. That's such cool. a good guess. Yeah, I don't even want to guess because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I sort of just want Sam to guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can yeah. do that. I mean, we're going to get introduced to Aragon in the next chapter. Yeah, so then, then Hannah and I can start guessing. Wait, is uh-huh. Aragon the dragon or the boy? <laughs> That's Ooh, such a good question. That is a good question. Who could possibly know? Wait, wait! Do I have to wait till next week to find out? Maybe the boy is a dragon. Next week to find out. Damn (laughs) it! Or the dragon is a boy. Who knows? Oh. Uh, So anyway, let's talk about what other stuff we've been reading. As you might remember, (laughs) it's been two months since we last recorded. (laughs) I read my favorite books of the year and maybe longer. Dang. 
I read the Bear and the Nightingale trilogy and holy <laughs> guys, I, they're my, oh man, I need to go buy them. And I reread the fourth, the fourth book, the third book. I immediately reread it. Like it was oh, really? so good. Yeah. Wow. That I was like, I need to start again and read this again. Wow. I also read all three books when I was, as you may have heard in the Arctic. So (laughs) (laughs) it it was, they were good enough to like send me to read a book when like the ocean was outside. Damn. Yeah. They were incredible. They were also like so far up my alley. Like they are fairy tale tale? as hell. (laughs) Fairy tale as hell. (laughs) Like a slow burn romance kind of, but like, there's not a lot of emphasis on the romance. Ooh. It's more about like the girl being like, I'm going to just do my own shit. And like, it's urban fantasy. Cause it's like loosely based on Russian history. Oh, so cool. it gave me very strong uprooted and spinning silver vibes. Uh, it was just very good. Anyway, <laughs> those are the books I read would recommend to everyone. I'm going to read them again in probably a couple weeks. <laughs> they well, were dang. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> What about you guys? Well, oh, okay, it's been a little while because I haven't read a lot in <laughs> August, but I did finish uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, which is very obviously written by a man. The only redeeming factor of the book is Rocky. Rocky is my favorite, and unless you've read Aww. the book, that will make no sense, and that's okay. <laughs> the science is, like, mostly right, but the main character is just so obnoxious because he's like like everything i hate in pretentious male scientists mm-hmm. uh-huh. and he's just all he's just it's not a likable guy and since it's like first person perspective it just kind of takes away from it but rocky saves it rocky is the best and that's that's all you need to know so uh-huh. yeah and then i also read daughter of the pirate king which was fantastic highly recommend <laughs> it's great that was that was, like as sophie was saying like that was your shit, that was my shit, da- daughter of the pirate king like <laughs> that was my shit, that was great um <laughs> and then i read ice planet barbarians by ruby dixon because tiktok oh made me mm-hmm. made you <laughs> Listen to- <laughs> it's not as bad as you would actually think as far as a smut book goes like uh-huh. i've uh-huh. read worse i've read worse and then I am currently reading probably one of the cutest rom-coms I've read in a while, and it's making me very happy. It's called It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey, and it's about an L.A. socialite who goes to a fishing village, and you can just guess what happens, and it's just great. I love yeah. it. And that's it for me, Hannah! <laughs> Dang. I've read a lot because I am neither moving nor in the Arctic, so I have lots of time. (laughs) Some of my favorites over the last month and a bit have been Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson, which was a hellaciously long hard sci-fi about basically the human colony established in space after the Earth suffers an apocalyptic event and like how they suffer and strive to survive. So it's like Real hardcore sci-fi, but it was really interesting. I also read One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, which is just super cute. Enjoyed yeah, that. Read that one. Yeah, I think you'll like it. My most recent nonfiction was actually a really good one. 
It's in the heart of the sea, the tragedy of the whale ship Essex. And it's like the true account of the ship that Moby Dick was based on. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. So the Essex was this whale ship out of Nantucket in Massachusetts. It was destroyed by a whale. And it's like the story of the crew members who tried to survive that whole ordeal. And it sort of made me never want to get on a boat again. <laughs> Uh-oh. Cool. It was real hardcore. Those guys went through some shit, but it was really an interesting listen. I listened to the audiobook. Um, but the one I'm most excited about is the series that I am rereading right now. It's one of my other favorite series from when I was like 13-ish around the same time I was reading Aragon. Uh-huh. It's the Bartimaeus Trilogy by Jonathan Stroud. I finished the Amulet of Samarkand, and I'm about three quarters of the way through the Golem's Eye. It's sort of like an urban fantasy about this like very precocious, ambitious magician's apprentice who summons a very arrogant, sharp-tongued Ginny to get revenge on a man who wronged him, and then things just go wildly out of control. And it is an absolutely delightful series, and I'm having such a good time rereading that. Aww. If you're looking for, like, a middle grade level fantasy book, I could not possibly recommend them enough. Like, I've laughed out loud at it a couple times while I was listening. Nice. Bartimaeus is just so f- funny. <laughs> <laughs> I wish more people would ask for recommendations of, like, 9 to 12 novels. I tend to prefer them over the YA category. Yeah. Like, so I like adult good. and I like the middle grade. And then YA often has too much, like, shallow romance for my tastes, whereas you don't get that as much in the middle grade books. Yeah. I always find middle grade books, like, they can be, like, sillier while still Mm -hmm. having, like, a very powerful message in them a lot of times, whereas, like, adult novels and YA, like, it has to be, like, we took our world building seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it could also be a little silly. <laughs> yeah, this I think like Jonathan Stroud is so good at creating like a very dark and interesting world and then putting funny narration over it. It's almost like the Rick Riordan thing oh. where the way the story is told is very funny and like some of the ways that the characters think and communicate their thoughts is very funny, but it's still like super sharp writing and like very clear clearly like lovingly done world building i love it so much love that yeah mm-hmm. but anyway cool yeah. yeah well that's an episode i'm pretty that's sure we episode. did it it's been a while but it's been a, yeah I, I think that's what a podcast episode is <laughs> want to yeah. take us out hannah yes if you liked this chapter of midlight crisis and you're excited to hear us talk about aragon consider rating and reviewing us on itunes or your podcatcher of choice you can talk to us and find fun-related content on social media. We are at MidlightPod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and all chapters of the show thus far are available on our website, midlightpod.podbean.com, and on YouTube. Just like me with my copy of Midnight Sun, now that we're moved on to a new book... The shade burned one section after another until there was a ring of fire a half league across. <laughs> Did you actually burn it? I haven't yet, but I have every intention of burning it in the next two weeks before I move oh, to Newfoundland. <laughs>